John. All right, well, hello and welcome. I uh, am in the wrong section already, but hey. Um, to start, um, this has been something I've actually kind of thought about for the last few years. Um, the genesis of the sermon has started um, kind of with my career path. Um, most recently, um, a few years ago, I read a, a leadership book called The Way of the Shepherd. Um, and in it, it was a faith-based book without too much of, uh, of the scriptural references, but with the understanding that it was written with a, a faith background. Um, and, and kind of backtracking, um, I, I work for school districts. I work in the business department. Um, I've had departments that had almost 20 people and sometimes less, um, currently now less. But every opportunity has been a chance to... Um, it, my ultimate goal while making sure I'm doing my job responsibly and, and maintaining that is to um, help the people who are in my care to become the best versions of themselves and to become the best workers that they can be and, and reach their own goals. Um, sometimes their goals are, are to stay where they are and just to come in and go and, um, and, and find a way to nourish that. And there's also times where um, it has led to a development of relationships that have carried on past the time that they have been um, under my care in a leadership position. Um, but in that vein of self-growth, I had read this book called The Way of the Shepherd, as I mentioned. It was by Dr. Um, Kevin Lehman, who Trevor, when Katie and I were going through a betrothal, betrothal process, had recommended a book um, by the same author, um, obviously on a different subject matter. But um, the way he put things, he put it very clearly and um, at times eye-opening. And so um, I had picked up this book, and, and since then I've really tried to tailor how I lead my not only my employees, but there's also... And as we'll be talking application as we're leading our own family members, as husbands lead their wives, as husbands and wives lead their children, and even as, uh, as our youth start to grow up into positions where they start to have an influence on, on their peers, of really digging into this idea of uh, shepherd leadership and, and understanding kind of the role of the shepherd. Um, and as we go through, and there's a few main verses, as you saw, um, it was amazing to me to find how many verses are um, within the Bible relate to the shepherd and, and his watch care and, and the role. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and just get into um, John 10:15, and we'll, we'll move from there. Truly I say to you, he who does not enter my door... Sorry. Truly, truly I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him, because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him, because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. He will go in and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. 
The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand, and he is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Um, powerful, powerful words, and really the, the basis of kind of where we're going, and uh, what has, again, like I mentioned, has changed my view on leadership, and, and molded what I feel are some of the better ways to lead my to lead the people in my in my family and at work. Um, the first area that I was kind of getting to is the idea of knowing the condition of your flock. And for me in the workplace, this means constant engagement. And and knowing the condition of your flock is important, especially as a shepherd. Um, it, as we know, the sheep and the lamb was offered as an animal sacrifice, but without it couldn't have a blemish. And so the shepherd had to know his flock. He had to know which animals, which sheep qualified for uh, to be met for a sacrifice um, because of God's word and what is required. And so it means knowing your flock because one, cause one day a sheep can be perfect and the next day it can fall, break a leg, and it no longer qualifies. And so the shepherd of all his flock, he needs to know so well his sheep because he has an extra responsibility to prepare the sheep for the sacrifice. And while I am not preparing my employees for sacrifice, it is important to know that their condition. And for me, that means engaging them on a regular basis. And it also means, from employees to, to my family, it means understanding, talking to them, um, and not being in, as it is in the office. And I'll speak primarily as office, more than likely, but I, there's objects, again, like I said, that's going to go between family and, and the office setting. But... For me, that means not being in my office all day. It means coming in and making rounds and checking in on employees and seeing how they're doing to understand the needs they have with their family, to understand what's going on, if a child is sick, if a relative is sick. Um, because those all can affect how an employee is doing. If they have a... Um, I had an employee who in the past had... Her mother had passed away, and um, while I started out... This is also, I guess helped me become more empathetic, but um, as time has grown, I've become a little more aware of, of being a little more empathetic and understanding the condition of their of how they are and understanding how to meet some of those needs by, by having those conversations and not just being focused on the day-to-day work, but being focused on the day-to-day of their lives. Um, this is the same for our children and for our wives and spouses and people we lead. We need to know how they're doing. We need to have those conversations. We can't just assume that our, our children are fine we need to be sitting down at the dinner table and asking them how their day is, asking them, you know, what's going on. It also means, from a, the standpoint of a parent, for those of us who, who have our children in the public school, it also has a requirement for us to know, to understand and engage in that respect, where they are, what they're being taught, and understanding um, how what all these aspects that are going into daily life, that we understand where the pitfalls are so that we can engage with them and so that we know their condition. Because it's going to be, we're going to be the ones who are going to be the first ones to notice when something's wrong, or especially in the office where somebody may be having to start having a little more 
attention paid to. And it may be an external factor, it may be an internal factor. But as the shepherd of those people, it's our responsibility and my responsibility to daily make sure that they are doing well week in and week out and meeting their needs and understanding um, what's going on. And, and it means keeping your eyes and ears open, both inside when you hear things at work and if you hear things outside of work. Moving from there, um, one of the other things that I talk about, that, that the book talked about, and I've really kind of brought into um, into the field, um, was an acronym SHAPE. So know the shape of your flock, know the shape of your sheep. Um, shape, starting with, uh, with the S, is strengths. When I look at my employees, it's good to know what their strengths are. It's good to know what my strengths are. Um, a lot of times we see in the work field, you know, how to make your weaknesses better and how to, and too often we focus on people's weaknesses when really we should be focusing on their strengths. Some people may, may not have uh, much like a spiritual gift. Some person's spiritual gift may not be the teaching, but it may be offering the helping hand. And we shouldn't force the people who are better at offering the helping hand to the sick to be up here at the teaching. It's not their spiritual gift. And so we need to focus on, I focus on what my employees' strengths are, understanding that they are going to better operate if they're operating from a place of strength and not from weakness. We don't want to put our, I don't want to put my employees in a position where they aren't going to succeed. There's nothing worse than knowing that an employee didn't do as well as you know they could have and having that self-reflection of knowing that you could have done more because you didn't, when you weren't may paying attention enough, or two, you didn't really help them develop those strengths and see where their strengths were and help them nourish those and build on those to become an even better version of, of what they offered in the workplace. Um, heart, the H or the shape, it reflects our passion, what people are passionate about. And it's not just and that doesn't just mean work, but we need to know what our what our children are passionate about so that we can help them grow in those areas. We need to know what our, our spouses are, and our friends are passionate about so that we also can help them grow in those areas. They, so often the heart is going to guide and lead us, not necessarily from, not that we should be making emotional decisions, but where our heart is is where we're storing up our treasures. And so, and not that, and again, and that's, we don't want to mix up, our heart needs to be on God, but there are things that we are passionate for. If it's, again, um, if we see it, we develop music in our children. If there's a passion for music, if they have this heart for music, we want to know it and, and develop that passion and help them find ways that we can make that passion grow. I've had employees whose passion wasn't in wasn't in accounting, and I know that's hard to hard to fathom that somebody may not have a passion that is accounting. Um, and they've moved on to different areas. They've gone on to a personnel side where they're dealing more today with the people. But knowing and helping and understanding where their heart was allowed me to better serve them as a leader, to help them tailor a resume to better fit what they wanted to go to, or to be able to work with other departments to understand what they need to do and how that they may not know everything, but to be able to talk them up and say, hey, they're a good candidate, talk to them. They may not know the information, but their heart and passion is there. Because so often, if somebody has the heart, they can learn. They can learn the other aspects of things. But if they have no heart to do to do it, it's not going to get done. The attitude, which kind of goes with the heart, 
so many times on when I when I saw interview panels, I am so much more concerned about the attitude of an employee that is in, and, and as I come into staff that are already there, is concerned about their attitudes. It goes in place with the heart. If they had an attitude of learning, they, that employee can do so much. And same with our children. We want to encourage that attitude so that they have a thirst for learning. They want we want to teach them more than anything the Bible. We want them to learn these words and know it because. Our, our world is going dark, and it's sadly it's going. It seems like it's getting there quicker and quicker. Things that we never could have fathomed are are happening. That it just it's a scary place to be. And I want my boys, especially, to have the attitude of of what is to have the attitude and the passion of these words to live them, to know them, so that when people come for them, they are going to be able to stand behind this behind this book, behind the Bible, and know that they can weather the storms that will come. Oftentimes i found that the employees with the bad attitudes are the employees that end up having your most trouble. They are the ones who sometimes you need to clean out of your flock and they, they go on into the next into their next passion, and it may be because they don't have that heart for it. But oftentimes the attitude, without the proper attitude, they aren't willing to learn. And in the work environment for me, those are the employees that I have had the hardest trouble trying to guide them in the way that they, to be the most productive and best versions of themselves. Much um, like in the verses that we read, the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. They are not going to follow, uh, the, the sheep will not follow the shepherd, the voice that they do not understand, that they don't hear and they don't recognize. That means that as a leader of my employees, that they need to know and hear my voice. And that, and that kind of ties in with uh, the idea of um, understanding the condition of your flock. But for me, that means about, it's a section about building, uh, building trust. And trust, trust is a tricky thing because it takes a long time to build and very quickly it is, it is destroyed. And so um, in the workplace and with our families, for me, that means doing what you say you're going to do is the easiest way to build trust day in and day out with your employees, to let them know that your word is also your action, that through your actions, they will see your word. You're going to build, for me, it's building trust through authenticity, and making sure that they also, as much as I want to know about their lives, I'm going to the best I can let them into my life, to let them know what makes me tick so that they can look at that and say both from a working standpoint and also hopefully from a from a non-working standpoint that they want a piece of that from that from from having the vision that I have that they want to get part of that or from how I live my life the beliefs um, I've been able to have because of this ability of authenticity I've been able to have discussions with um, co-workers peers my bosses um, that have led to faith discussions that have led them led to understanding of um, you know, I've mentioned my boss currently, an understanding of our faith, the Judeo faith, Judeo-Christian faith, compared to his um, Jewish background and his Jewish faith. And that ability to be authentic and understand, uh, especially in that case, what he, what he is celebrating and why he is celebrating it, and be able to have that discussion with him, and to be able to, to a certain extent, have some accountability um, as a believer, because... I don't know if it's coincidence, and I don't know just a period of life. But I know the first Yom Kippur that I was with, my new district, 
my boss didn't take it off. He was on, uh, he was working in, and each to and each to their own. Um, but I had taken it off, and it was one of the first years I was actually able to take it off. Um, and that next year, my boss actually, I, he ended up taking it off and not being, and not working on that day. And we had had a discussion about, he had, he had, we had gone to lunch, and he had talked to me, and was just kind of asking about the faith. And I told him that the idea is that I'm not going to do everything perfectly, and I'm learning. But the whole idea is that as our faith is to spur the Jewish faith to jealousy for them to say, hey, this is this is ours. I want to be doing it. You shouldn't be. I mean, you can do it, but it's really ours. Um, and that we're coming alongside them. And, and it's just been an amazing journey to, with my boss to see some of those things, to have those discussions and see some of those, either to notice it more or for him to be practicing it a little more in his stage of life. Um, but those authentic conversations have led to that, have led to that ability to have those conversations in an, in an environment where the church has been, the church and the Bible has been pushed out completely. It's not there anymore. But because of this authenticity, I have the ability to show, to, to show it in my life and to show it into others. Um, I've had employees, I had an employee who has gone on to, um, she left our district and she's out in uh, in. L.A. County now and working with another school district, but I developed a relationship that I was able to, um, in a hard place in her life, it really developed a mentor role outside of just the um, the work environment. And it's a relationship that we still have and that I cherish. Um, but again, that came down to being authentic, of having the, the hard conversations, of calling people, not, not in a judgment way, but if they are living, especially in her case, she was making choices that weren't they weren't the best choices for her life. And having an ability to speak authentically and talk to her about that and knowing that she, calling herself a believer, how being able to take that in and talk and just help her, see her really see her change how her life lives. And she has an amazing, uh, amazing fruitful life right now that um, I'm so glad to see that some of the choices that she has made, that she is, um, doesn't make those choices anymore. But those are, because of authentic, to be able to pour into those lives is because of that authenticity. It requires integrity, compassion, um, and for me, it also means setting high standards. The I want my employees to know that I'm going to hold them to the highest standard possible. I don't expect perfection. I do expect for them to strive for perfection. I expect that in that journey towards perfection, we get better each and every day, and I think this is the true for our family. I don't expect my boys to be perfect. I'm not perfect. I don't expect my wife to be perfect. But I do expect that we strive each day for that and that we have those high standards so that in that journey, they learn and they, uh, they're they learning in that journey and that they each day... My mantra at work is better today than yesterday. I want my department, I want somebody to come into my department and when somebody comes out from the public and does something and needs something, I want them to have a great experience. But we can't just rest on it's good enough. I've learned a couple verses. We need to be better today than we were yesterday. We need to be better, constantly striving to be better because that means that we're going to slowly learn more of God's word, that it's going to be more on our hearts than it has been. And that we're going to know more and more in situations where we know, we'll know what we need to do because we're striving each day to be better today than we were yesterday. It also means, and I've 
kind of alluded to this, but leadership, especially in the workplace for me, is not just professional, it's personal. You, without having the personal developing empathy and, and being sympathetic to things that are going on, without having a personal relationship, you can't expect these people to necessarily get on board. Some will, because there are personalities that are, are rule followers. You give them a job, they're going to do it. But the, for the people who need more of a reason, just because it's in your job description you need to do it, isn't always going to be enough. Some people, they need to know they need to know your heart, and they need to know why you're leading them, and they need to know that there is that you care for them just personally, and that you aren't just a number to them, that you aren't just a a timesheet that clocks in and clocks out, and somebody that you can say, hey, this needs to be done. There are some, like I said, there are, but for most of them, there needs to be a personal aspect of it. And so knowing the, developing that personal relationship really allows them to identify with you, and it allows them to move, to hear your voice and move in your direction. It means that when you have to give them bad news, that this idea isn't going to go forward, that they know they, that you fought for them and that you were held, but that you did what you said you are going to do, even if it isn't always in those same situations, if it isn't always end up the way. But because you've built that personal relationship, they believe you, they trust you, and they follow you. And they're willing to do to go above and beyond more than what they ever would have. Um, and I hope that as my boys grow, that they too will learn. Um, obviously, there's nobody to be more personal with than your own family. But I pray that they, um, even if things don't go the way they necessarily want, they because of that personal relationship that we have, they will trust me in the direction that I'm leading the family. I'm going to, in the next section, we're going to talk about the staff and the rod. And um, as we, we know, one of the most common, uh, probably well-known verses relating to the staff and rod is going to come from the 23rd Psalm. And if you want to flip with me there, I'm going to, to read through it quickly and uh, go on to our next, my next sections. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I don't know if at times there are very many more comforting words than that. Um, but it does bring to the point the rod and the staff. Very interesting combination of tools for the shepherd. The staff, as we all most have seen, and I, I don't know if there's an image up. Um, but we know the shepherd's staff. Long staff, head height, hooked, big giant question mark. The rod is a little different. The rod, uh, in my research, is a small... Um, it's a small, cl- a small club, essentially. A root. Sometimes it was a root with a, a ball at the end, a bald, a bald root, a knot in it, essentially. That the shepherds could use it, and they would the shepherds that were, were proficient at it could fling it across the field at a, what would be maybe a, an animal working on the distance to scare them off. Um, in cases of of last um, necessity, also uh, a tool for close range combat needed to defend a, you know a flock from a predator or, or a person. They had other tools at their at their disposal. As we know, David was proficient with a sling. They would not want to be in, in, a, in a sling competition with him. Um, but the rod and the staff, those are the, com- the here that we hear often, and extremely the staff. 
And so the staff was a tool that the, that the shepherds could use to inspect a lamb, to guide a lamb. And with that hook, they could reach out. If a lamb had gotten separated or across somehow across a crevice that it couldn't get back over, he could reach out with his staff, and he could hook the lamb and bring the lamb back to safety. The, the staff allowed him to guide him to keep the, so that the, it allowed them to know he could gently guide a sheep that was going off the path. He could nudge it back into, um, into the fold so that it knew where it was going. Um, he could use the, the other, the end, the, the non-curved end to slightly jab at the sheep to also get its attention to move it back. Um, not necessarily painful for the sheep, but much more, uh, less painful than falling down a ravine. I know, I have done that. Not fun. Um, but as the, st- the staff and the rod, because the staff is used to keep the sheep in the pasture, there's another thing, though, that, that the sheep do have. They have a certain amount of freedom within their pasture. There are areas that the, sh- the shepherd used to keep them from, but the sheep have room to grow. They have room to, to move around. And so for me, that's also important. Uh, with my with my boys and with my employees is that they have that room to grow, to try new things, to try new tasks, to learn new tasks that may not be in their normal, normal wheelhouse, but with that willingness to learn that I can teach them those tasks and give them the freedom and the, to, to make those mistakes. And it comes down to the fact that for me and in life, failure is not fatal. We, we, there are so many lessons that we can learn in our failure. And I, I grew up super competitive and I hated to lose. And I still hate to lose. I don't, I don't relish it and I don't, uh, failure is something that I don't, I can't stand it. I hate it. Um, it just, it eats me up. And I know that's part of my competitive nature. But in the last few years, I've also learned that it's not necessarily about winning and losing. Um, in my family, we have really developed the, the mentality about winning and learning that we may not always win and we may not always be successful. But when we don't, when we aren't successful, when we don't win, what did we learn? What can we learn from the situation that is going to make us better prepared for the next time we have to deal with a situation? If it's a matter of we didn't read Scripture properly or understand Scripture properly, if I didn't, if an employee didn't deal with the situation that the way they should have, how could they have done that better? How can they learn with that safety, knowing that they they can fail without it being critical, without it being the end of the world? That they have the safety to fail, but with the idea and the understanding that if they do, they need to be learning from that situation. That it's not just good enough just to say, "Oops, we lost. I didn't get it. I didn't make the mark. Didn't." They need to know that we need to be trying harder to make that mark, that we need to learn from our situation and understand that with the failure also comes the responsibility for growth, that we need to learn from our failures, learn from our mistakes, apply what we have learned so that we do it a little bit better next time and a little bit better next time and a little bit better the time after that so that eventually what we are doing and what we are practicing becomes as close to perfection that we can get. With the rod and coming back to that, the protection, the idea of protect and correct and inspect. And we've kind of talked about um, in the work environment that inspection is going to be related to progress, to understanding that once you've given them a project, that checking in on them to inspect their progress, to make sure that they are doing 
that they don't need help or that they're getting where they need to go. Um, the protection is one of the biggest issues of things is that um, because of my profession, we deal, my department oversees payroll. Sometimes things happen, not major things. Nobody's been majorly under, overpaid or underpaid, but it's also the, the department where if there's a small thing that happens or didn't get, if, for instance, a um, teacher didn't get the, in, our, in my profession, a teacher based on units and credits can go higher on a pay scale, but that also means coordinating with having them turn in their units, having them turn in their things, and coordinating with other departments. And so, but ultimately, when it comes down to the fact that they think they turned everything in, they don't necessarily know the back of it. You can get some really irate employees because a paycheck isn't where they think they should have been. And that means, uh, and in general, my, with my family, nobody gets to talk to an employee that way or my family that way. That means I stand in the gap. Um, it, it takes me to the idea of um, David and Samuel. In 1 Samuel 17, when David is talking about, when he's talking to the house to lay this giant, and he's telling, he tells King, King Saul that when a lion came, I defended it. When a bear came, I defended the sheep. That's part of the shepherd's job, is, is that you are the one who is taking on those, those crises, that are taking on the brunt of that criticism or the brunt of um, uh, whatever the threat is. And so it means going, if you hear an, an altercation starting to get higher, it means you're the one who's going out and saying, let me deal with this. We'll get to the bottom of it. So that you don't just sit in your office and say, whoo-hoo, that sounds bad. I'm just going to stay in here. You want to be, you may not want to be, but you have to be the one who goes out there and takes the brunt of that. Of that. Even if it's the, even if your employee is 100% wrong, you can correct at a later date, but you need to show them that you are there to protect them and that you have their back. Um, and that means, too, with our families, that we are there to protect them from from this world as much as we can. Um, there are our kids are going to grow, and I'm, I'm realizing that they are things that I saw when I was younger. I just I'm rewatching a a show, a kid show show and I'm right watching through it and I know I was around this age when I had seen it a little older and I just I can't believe some of the stuff is in there and I'm like I this shouldn't be for kids like it's not for kids like um and just understanding that protection you have I think uh, as you have kids that protecting them from the world and they're innocent for only so long they have a childlike faith for only so long before the world is going to um to come at them, and, and they need to understand that, but for a while, we can protect them from that. We can protect them to the point that they can be their own shepherds, that they have the tools ready to combat what's going to come at them, and it means it means sacrifice. It means sometimes not seeing things or doing things that you would like to do. Um, it means sometimes having somebody yell at you and be really irate, um, when, especially in the workplace Um but what it builds and what it does for your family and for your employees is to show them that there's somebody that has their corner, that they have that, they feel they have that freedom to make those errors again and know that they will be protected and that they will be addressed. Um, with that protection comes the correction. Sometimes the, like we mentioned, the, the error may have been their fault, um, and they needs to be done. Our children, we can't, as much as we want to protect our children, I still need to correct Seth. I, if Seth gets away with, I can't let Seth, Seth get away with murder because one, it 
it doesn't help him to not have to understand that there are boundaries and things that he can and cannot do. Um, but he needs to know, much like God corrects us in our own actions, that there are things that are not simply not allowable, simply not that he can't do, and if it's for his safety or just because it's not correct, it's not right, that we need to have that staff of correction. Um, in the workplace, sometimes that meant for me writing employees up and letting them know, um, putting them on plans where they would be able to do better. Um, with my boys, a lot of it t- comes down to just finding ways to explain the situation and help them understand how, why, we are being, why are they being corrected and hopefully they're learning from that. I found in the workplace that it is best to praise publicly, admonish privately. Nobody needs to know. In my other employees don't need to know that another employee messed up. They're a team, um, and they they work together. But also, if somebody did mess up, they need to know, and they need to be able to correct it. But always praise publicly. Same with as much as I can with my children. Obviously, the kids are different and. If we're in the store and they're knocking five cans of tomato sauce onto the floor, I'm not going to be able to necessarily wait till I get home to correct them. But um, especially in the workplace, you don't want to... I've seen so much damage of somebody being berated publicly that it just kills the employee's momentum. To momentum. It kills their, their heart. It kills everything. And so it's something that's done privately, something that's done in private with that correction and, and letting them know that, that, yes, you messed up, but we can go forward. And so often praising publicly, letting them know in front of everybody that they did a great job. If it's announcing to the board about some of the successes we've had as a department. Those are kind of, that's uh, really kind of my last thought. It's just, as leaders, as people, as we lead our family, it is so important that we... Um, that we have the heart of the shepherd, that we understand that it's not an easy job, but it is an important job, that it is, that there is value in it, even though it's hard, and that we um, can change the lives of our kids, our family members, and the people, in my case, my employees that are around us, by having this heart, and by learning it, and nourishing it, and understanding from the scriptures how we can operate and emulate the good shepherd. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you today thankful for your word.